Recode Radio presents Too Embarrassed to Ask, hosted by me, Kara Swisher, and Lauren Good of The Verge, powered by digital media. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, a podcast that's all about making technology easier to understand and use. Some of you have questions you might be too embarrassed to ask because you think maybe they're dumb or everyone else around me probably knows the answer. On Too Embarrassed to Ask, there are no dumb questions. So send us your questions and we'll give you the answers, plus our views on all the latest gadgets. Lauren, there are dumb questions, but we will pretend they are not. I think all the questions we get here are great. (laughs) All right. You can submit your questions in advance by tweeting them to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. That's all one word, hashtag A-S-K-R-E-C-O-D-E. Or you can leave them on our Recode Facebook page or email them to us directly. Kara, is there a slash now in that A-S-K-R-O-D-E? No, there's no slash. It's gone. They took it away from me. It's implied. There's an implied splash. They cut the edge off the E and the C, and that is my slash. It remains. That's very fancy design. I like my punctuation, but they did not. The SEO people did not like it. Well, no slash. Just A-S-K-R-E-C-O-D-E. Yeah. And you can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes. That's at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. Yeah, you're killing me there, Lauren. <laughs> kind of like a slash situation. All anyway. Right. So it's summertime, almost, which means that summer vacations are coming upon us. Kara, where are you going for vacation this summer? I don't vacation, Lauren. I never take vacations. You do, though. No, I really don't. Not really? Much. Yeah, not much. Uh, didn't you just take one? I went with my children, which is not quite relaxing. But <laughs> you were probably also on email and yes, tweeting. I was. And yes, um, I'm not, I was. Yes, I don't have any plans for the summer. I don't have. I have work plans, travel plans, but okay. not any vacation plans. Well, you'll still be traveling a lot, I'm sure. Yes. And since a lot of people are probably looking to book their summer travel, or maybe have already done so, this week we're going to be answering all of your questions about travel tech. And before we get going, we should note that we're not in our usual location. We're in a big hotel meeting room, so we might sound a little bit echoey. Ah, yes, travel tech. It's very important to me. I always mouth off on Twitter about travel tech issues, especially in airplanes and cars and all kinds of things. I think it's substandard. It remains substandard. And I use it a lot. And so we have a special guest joining us, someone I've known for a long time, Travis Katz. He's the co-founder and CEO of travel and recommendation company GoGoBot. And we wrote about it when you first started it, right? I remember that. Travis, for those of us who don't know, tell us what GoGoBot does. We all know since we read the Recode story, but explain it. Uh, So GoGoBot is a service that helps you find the best places to stay, eat, or play that are perfect for you. So we have 19 different tribes. So think family travelers, nightlife lovers, trendsters, LGBT Mm -hmm. travelers. We let you sort of multi-select these things and then recommend places that are relevant to you based on what other people who are like you liked. So instead of getting the same generic top 10 list uh, that you find anywhere else, you actually get to dig a little bit deeper and find stuff that's relevant. And then once you find it, we help you book. All right. And so this is a website, but it's also on mobile. It's also a mobile app. Are most of your users now on mobile since a lot of services Um, are trending that way? More than half of our users are on mobile and and it's definitely growing like crazy. And, And how does it make money? Uh, we make money primarily through hotel bookings. So mm-hmm. we have a meta search platform. So once a lot of people come to GoGoBot to research, read reviews, find hotels they like, and then we pull in the best prices from mm-hmm. all the top booking sites and let you make sure you get the best deal. And then mm-hmm. 
you book from there. We also have integrations with OpenTable, with HomeAway. So as you're traveling and stuff like that, you want to use these services. So, yeah, so, so on leads. the fly, you can you can book. So yeah. if I go to GoGoBot, as I did just, just recently, and we're, I was looking for a hotel in Hawaii, and I booked it, but it was through Expedia. Like, you'll mm-hmm. do an Expedia listing on GoGoBot.com. I'm paying whatever, you know, a couple hundred dollars, whatever it might be. I wish you'd find a great hotel in Hawaii for a couple. It's more than that. (laughs) But um, what's the breakdown like in terms of how much you're getting paid from that booking? So the way ours works, it's actually an auction system. So all of the major players are bidding in real time for the traffic from each hotel. So you aren't paying anything additional by booking through Gogobot. They're taking it out of their margin to get that lead. And so they sort of look at it as an acquisition cost. Okay. So who do you see as your biggest competitors in this travel recommendation and booking space? Like I know before some people have referred to GoGoBot as the Facebook of travel, but you've kind of shirked away from that definition. Yeah. So we're really, a lot of people, because we started off with doing interesting stuff around social, people tried to connect it to Facebook, but it's actually, it's not a social platform. It's a utility that helps you people find People don't talk to about do. the travel. Yeah, it, it's about it's really about finding things to do and discovering, you know, having great experiences. And so mm-hmm. when I think of the people, you know, other people that are in this space sort of are TripAdvisor, Yelp, you know, Foursquare to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our positioning is very different because those are all sort of based on, you know, we're going to aggregate everyone up and, you know, whether you're a, a hedge fund manager on Wall Street or a starving mm-hmm. student, you're still going to see the same list of places and the same list of reviews. Right. Where what we found in mobile is people just don't have time for that anymore. They don't want to be digging through piles of information to look for that one shard of information that's really relevant. They really want you to say, you should know who I am. Tell me what I need to know and, and get all the rest of the stuff out of my face. And so that's really what our focus is on. And nobody else is really doing that today. Can you connect to friends through GoGoBot the way that you can in Foursquare? Like one of the things I really like about Foursquare, especially when I'm traveling internationally, is if I see a restaurant that's nearby and I see that five of my friends with very discriminating tastes have checked in before, I think to myself, all right, I'd probably go here because yeah. my bunch of my friends went here. I'm can you have that? that you're like the last living person who uses Foursquare. But I still use Foursquare. Do. I think Peter does too. Yeah. 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 Interesting. But I don't often check in, but I use it to get, which I guess is now Swarm because they split yeah. the app. But yeah. I use it for information, especially when traveling. Do you have a yeah, recommendation so, engine like that? So that's actually how we started. So when we started, it was the whole idea originally was, look, these, these traditional review services are just too generic for today's consumer. And so we started off by doing social recommendations so you could see where your friends have checked in. In fact, we could even see where your friends have checked in on Facebook or Foursquare on GoGoBot. But then we moved much beyond that. What we found was that most people, it's great if you can see some friends who have been there, but that's usually not good enough. And, and a lot of times it'll be like, look, I'm going with two kids. And so I don't care what all my friends have done. I want to know what, what did people with kids, did people with kids like this hotel or did they like this mm-hmm. restaurant mm-hmm. or not? And so we really found that the tribes concept actually has been much more powerful than just the social cues, particularly because sure. there's just a phenomenal sparsity of data. I mean, we had last count, north of 5 billion check-ins, incredible Mm -hmm. amount of data. And still the average person, if they're looking in a city, there may be a handful of places that their friends have been if their friends are really active social media types. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, you know, their friends never used Foursquare, never checked in. And so you don't don't really get into anything. I don't yeah. give recommendations. It's interesting. Yeah, well, most I have a lot don't. to say, but you, I you have a lot of opinions. You would <laughs> like you it. Tips I have when people ask me, for example, <laughs> I can give you good hotels in Hawaii that are cheap. By the way, in any case, so we want to get into our reader questions, but we have some questions about where this is going and where travel tech, because travel to me tech is the most important tech because it's it is mobile. It is utterly mobile. When you're somewhere, you really want to know about stuff. I use I even use Google all the time. 
So that's no action. So I know, but I do because I like. Where's the closest? This? Yep. What's the closest? This? It really is very all over the place. Mm-hmm. It seems like it. Well, travel tech is also not just necessarily apps and services, but mm-hmm. it can encompass a lot of things. It's about booking services. Mm-hmm. It's about in-flight Wi-Fi. We've talked about right. this a lot. It's about, I mean, even gadgets that can help make your travel sure. a lot easier. So those are some what's of the good, things that we want to get into. You know, I, do, I end up getting a whole bunch of those idiot things when I got to Hawaii just recently, all those like pamphlets. Mm-hmm. I have like a pile of them. I don't know why. Everything's on the internet. It was really... Analog pamphlets. Yep. Analog pamphlets. Like maps. You know, the reality is in travel... They work. There still are a lot of businesses that are pamphlet-only businesses. Mm-hmm. They really don't have a presence online. Mm-hmm. And I still look at that and I see just massive opportunity yeah. because there's all these this long tail of small businesses. And there are a lot of companies that have been going after this space, but because yeah. it's so fragmented, it's very yeah. hard to scale it. Yeah, I found lots of things to do with the kids, like zip lines and things like that. Yeah. But I, it was through the pamphlets that I found everything, which was odd. I found it odd at the time, but yeah. I sat there and went through them. So I'm going to start with getting to places. Now, I have a real problem with Wi-Fi on planes. Not that it doesn't work, or sometimes it doesn't work, but the cost of it. Let's talk about why it's so bad. It feels like, it's not criminal, but it's it feels like they're taking advantage of you up in the air wanting to... Well, why is it so expensive? So first of all, it's not always expensive, and it varies radically. Like I was, I was United just, is cheap. United is cheap, and there's been a lot of people who are sort of pointing the fingers at at GoGo and mm-hmm. Flight and saying, you know, they sort of have this monopoly and they've been raising prices, and the airlines are locked into these contracts. I don't actually know whether that's true or not. What I do know is, at the end of the day, it's a monopoly service. Once you're there, everybody needs Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. There's only one place you're going to get it, and that's from the airline. And so whenever you have a monopolistic situation, you're kind of hosed as a consumer. And I think what they just test is how much money can we extract before either everyone starts dropping off and just not getting the Wi-Fi or... Why is United... I was just on a United flight, which was $3.99 an hour, which is perfect, because then I could use as much as little as I wanted. And no flight is 10 hours. I mean, I'm not usually on a long, long, long flight. But then over on Virgin, where I fly more, it's thirty nine ninety nine for the. Th- and I'm like, what the? Why yeah. is it that much money? And once you're in flight, though, I think if you're yeah. on the ground and you think to buy it in advance, it can actually be as much as half of that. But really? I know when I've traveled from SFO to JFK, it can be as high as thirty nine dollars. Yeah. I, I flew last week on Virgin to Austin, and it was forty dollars. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that's criminal for a two and a half hour yeah. flight. And I ended mm-hmm. up doing the the thirty minute pass just to quickly log in. Right. I think it's just monopolistic. Really, numbers. it's interesting, and also. At the same time, so I like the United method of an hour, and it seems reasonable enough. Yeah. But then they don't have power. Most of them, are, where is we going with power on airplanes? It's insane. And then when I write it, they're like, well, you're lucky to have it. I'm like, no, you should have power on an airplane at this point. <laughs> it, the airlines business, so it's one of the most messed up industries in the mm-hmm. world. It's, yeah. it's the only industry where consistently year after year, decade after decade, most of the airlines are selling their flights for less than it costs to deliver them. Mm-hmm. And so they're always losing money. And you, you, you see in the, the news, there's this constant parade of bankruptcies every few years. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the way the competition is structured in that industry, they just keep prices too low. And so with things like power in the seat, seems like kind of low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. but it's a huge capital expense to put it into all their planes. And some of these planes are 30, 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And so what the interesting dynamics of the industry, like the Virgin, so everyone comes in, they're like, oh my gosh, Virgin is so awesome. And legitimately it is. But what, what happens is you have newcomers come in and they go and pick off the most profitable routes. And so they'll say, okay, we'll start off with New York, LA is the most profitable one. And so we can make tons of money and United's got to do all these money losing routes 
And so they can't provide as much service on the profitable ones. Mm -hmm. And so Virgin will come in and do all the most profitable ones, do super amazing service. They have new planes, fresh, friendly staff. Mm -hmm. At the bare bare minimum, planes should have power and Wi-Fi, correct? I mean, what else could they have for us? I I mean, I think... You cannot use Netflix or any other streaming. No, you can't stream video. But But a lot of them now, I mean, if you look at sort of where they're going, so a lot of them like United... And they have, their entertainment, doing, they have this entertainment where you, if you have your, your smartphone or your tablet, you can actually stream movies for free using their app. Right, their movies. Is, yeah, which is pretty cool, actually. It solves a big problem of them not having to go and install all of this hardware, screens, but still right. let you accomplish the same thing. It never is, works. I've tried it. I've had it work a few times. Mm. I'm actually shocked to hear that you have a consistently good experience with United Wi-Fi, because I, I, I actually hear United. Walt Mossberg <laughs> shaking his fist like, on no, the other I'm side saying of the country No, I'm saying the price right is right. It doesn't always work, because they don't have power, so then it's kind of pointless. I do like their app. Yeah. It's on the airline app. So the other thing is Virgin doesn't have one. I don't know why, but no, United has a great one. Southwest has a great one. Delta has a pretty good one. Uh, I've never used Deltas, but I've used mo- most of them. And JetBlue has one that mm-hmm. I like. And so I'm really amazed Virgin doesn't have one. Yeah. I, well, Virgin now, they, now it was they actually turns out it was a quick, you know, build it up and flip yeah. it kind Virgin of play Alaska. By, mm-hmm. by Branson and Alaska Airlines bought yeah. that. So yeah. maybe love it. That's what happens. Can't ever have nice things, Kara. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens. But I, but I think I'm the key, I think the key is, is that you actually can't count on Wi Fi yet and you can't count on power yet so you're getting one of those battery packs that you Ridiculous. can pack in your yes, bag or something brick. like that they weigh a ton but it can really save you if you're on a long haul flight and they don't have power there's nothing worse when you're, than your laptop going down mm-hmm. and just being like oh yeah yeah well they have to that's my rule they yeah. have to all, all right. right moving on lauren my question is about booking flights so related but not the same so i'm pretty indecisive when it comes to booking flights i'll open a page i'll look at a flight and then i'm like checking other things and i come back a day later and it seems like the prices change dramatically in a day and now that there's less inventory and it just seems like long story short our airlines tracking when you are looking at certain flights and our flights fluctuating based on your search patterns? So, so I don't work at the airline, so I won't be able to tell you exactly what they do, but what I can tell you is there's massive volatility. Like, first of all, you're not alone. The average person checks 36 websites before they actually make a booking decision yes, that's for me. a hotel. Wow. Yes, go ahead. And that's, that's everyone. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what people do, and people are very indecisive because it's a huge sticker price purchase, and you can't return it. If you get the wrong flight, you know, it's hard to return. There's big fees, and so people really want to make that decision right. And the reality is it's very hard to shop for airplane flights because they're super, they fluctuate a lot. I do think they have very advanced demand measurement tools. And if they see there are tons of people looking at this flight, they're probably going to raise the prices in response to that. A good rule of thumb, so there are a lot of people who try to say, okay, what are the best days of a week to buy flights? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is that true that prices will change based on day of and time of the week? The answer is yes, they will change on day and time of the week, but there isn't a best time. It's not like Tuesday afternoon at 3 is the best time. It's all mythology, and people keep sending out articles that do well on social that say that. But but the reality is it's not true. What they do know is that... For the average flight, you want to book, like if you get in the 15 days before, the prices are going to start skyrocketing. They start really jacking up. The ideal time on average is about a month and a half ahead of time. But for like peak seasons, like summer travel, it's actually like two and a half months ahead of time. So 
the earlier you book, the better. And definitely like if you're thinking about summer travel for this summer and you haven't booked yet, you want to get on that soon because the prices are going to just keep going up from here. I just, I have this conspiracy theory in my head that once I visit one website, you know, there's some type of tracking mechanism placed on me. And then I'm like going from site to site to site. No. And every airline no knows that I'm looking for this flight on a Tuesday you can afternoon. You find lesser flights. I, I went on a flight, it was $300. The next day it was 158 I don't know why. But. Yeah, it, it definitely changes. Even the rules of thumb about like when you should book, they're not reliable in every case because the prices change all the time and you have and also, re- revenue call the airline yeah. they do little deals for you like on a, they had one they that was 300 dollars no they don't i have i fly on virgin a lot they don't mm. know who i am otherwise but they um there was a 25 dollar change fee versus 500 dollars because it because mm. it was same day change they look up all these secret rules that if you <laughs> yes ask them about. and you know if you, you have to travel for a death website. in the family some airlines will yes. actually cut you well, a break that's if you a... well it's just it's just part of travel unfortunately but you have sometimes you have to do that in some way then <laughs> Um, but you know you can do one of the things that is the stuff on the websites just don't work as well as calling people still to this day I mean the virgin site's terrible they're all just not non-responsive in a lot of ways and it's kind of funny how how as much travel stuff is on there it's pretty antiquated we do have a couple more questions before we get to our reader questions uh language apps um, I have a couple on here. I have a bunch, um, mm-hmm. and I use them, Duolingo, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of them. What, which ones do you recommend? I think Duolingo is probably the one that's got the most yeah. traction, that mm-hmm. and the, the Google Translate. Translate, that's exactly what I have. Um, I think at the I'm, end of the I'm day... I'm going to make up some phrase and read it to you and finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I do think when you're traveling internationally, it's good to know some of the local language, and even if you can hardly pronounce it, people appreciate you using the local language. You're not going to be able to speak fluently with any of those apps. There are a few other interesting apps. There's one called World Lens that actually lets you use the camera and you can like put it over a sign and it will translate the sign in real time. So you can try and figure out, okay, what does this sign say? And you're like, okay, that's the ladies' room. And then you go on in. So it's augmented um, reality. Yeah, it's like augmented reality. So that's kind of a cool hmm. thing. Um, you know, Microsoft tried to do this thing. Yes, they debuted it at Code. At yes. Code, actually. They yeah, it didn't it. work well. The Germans <laughs> in the audience translator. were unimpressed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, but you could see the potential. I, I think, you it's know. It's getting better. It's going to get better and you they're going to get You should speak faster. and it comes into a different language. That's what should happen. Yeah, yeah you, know you know want it to like sort of speak and come out a different language. Right. Are we eventually all going to be walking around with some type of glasses, like eyeglasses that can translate things for I, us in real time? I think so. I think whether it's glasses, I'm not exactly sure that, but I do think the ability to start using augmented reality to translate things in real time, like all the pieces are there and it just takes stitching it together. But the ones, the apps are pretty fast. Like this one, Salam, Travis, Kara, Lauren, Daha, Asan. What did you just say? Hello, Travis. Kara is smarter than Lauren. <laughs> That's an Azerbaijani. Clearly, that didn't translate That's very well. That's an Azerbaijani, but you can put in a Azerbaijani. We have to ask from Azerbaijan if that's actually what you said. Anyway, in a minute, we're going to take some questions from our readers and listeners. But first, today's show has been brought to you by SoFi. SoFi is a new kind of finance company. They're helping people get out of student debt faster by saving them a lot of money. Refinancing student loans with SoFi saves members an average of $19,000, which is about what I spent on GoGoBot last year. SoFi even partners with companies to help free their employees of debt. See how SoFi can help you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. 
So every week we ask our readers and listeners to send in their questions about tech topics. And once again, you can do that by tweeting us with the hashtag AskRecode. This week we asked what you wanted to know about travel and vacation apps, and we got lots of questions. We did. Yes. So the first one comes from at William SH on Twitter. He asked, international cell service with data for maps. Better to get a prepaid SIM there or international plan from Timo AT&T here? This yes, is a good question. good question. I know what I would do, but I'm curious to hear your answer. So, first of all, it's a great question. And actually, international data is one of the biggest traveler pain points mm-hmm, across absolutely. the board. You get just Indeed. completely taken to the cleaners if you don't prepare. So you have to always think ahead. Do you remember when the iPhone first debuted? A lot of people got yeah. caught in big ones. I remember Andy Rubin, maybe from Google, complaining that he had a $10,000 bill in... Israel and should we we should write a piece about it because he had gone there and hadn't realized and on and on and I said well writing a piece about stupid Google billionaires is not really like, <laughs> Does, it doesn't sort of make the cut for that <laughs> but I held for, for a brief second but he had a ten thousand dollar phone bill anyway moving along yeah so so first of all happened. there are some providers like T Mobile now actually provides international roaming international data roaming for free so if you're a T Mobile subscriber I'm not but actually you that's one of the new things they're offering which people really love. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's cheaper to get an international SIM when you're there if you can. But to do that, you have to have an unlocked phone. And so... Right, and most people don't. Most people don't have mm-hmm. it, that. So Here most people country. are sort of trapped with going to their cell phone providers. But most of your providers will have an international data package. What we find is that even with those, you don't get a ton of data. So you probably can't do your normal behavior. And what you want to do is go into your phone and... Keep turning it on and off. Yeah, like turn turn off, you know, background stuff for a lot of your apps. You want to go into your email and turn off push for your email because where you get killed is people will be emailing you attachments and all of a sudden you're there for 24 hours and you've used up your entire package. Mm-hmm. So turn off push for your email and turn off sort of the cell roaming. So there's sort of a setting cell for roaming, your cellular yeah. roaming and turn mm-hmm. that off so your apps aren't sort of pulling it's data. It's quite a in pain background. in the neck though, I have to say. It's kind of, I like was manipulating them on a Disney cruise with my kids just turning them on and off and on and off. And, you know, ultimately it was like, we're turning them all off and just using Wi-Fi and if that's it that's all you get to use kind of thing yeah I mean it it seems like something that has to be solved and you should know how much you're using while you're using it yeah and there ought to be in the same way there's airplane mode just international roaming mode and just Mm -hmm. help optimize so I don't get stuff that I'm not expecting yeah so you think it's actually better to plan all of this before you leave rather than waiting until you get on the ground and thinking I'm just going to pop in a sim and everything's going to be dandy. Yeah. You want to plan it before you leave for sure. If you, if you have an unlocked phone, you can show up and just get a sim. That's mm-hmm. pretty easy. But, but like Kara was saying, most people don't. Mm-hmm. And if you forget and you land on the ground and you're on the ground for four hours, you may go through, you may rack up a $200 bill with just your email coming into your email box. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. Great answer. Next, next question. question. Yes. Vince M. Rubino. He writes to us a lot. Yes. Thanks for writing in, Thanks. Vincent. Vincent M. Rubino. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with JetBlue's free in-flight Wi-Fi, but is it really secure? I've heard horror stories. I think I just saw that on like... You need someone, to know. Yeah, it could happen to write you. Yeah, a story someone, about how someone had slipped them a message after the flight and said, yeah. FYI, I, I was able to see Get what you were thing. working so on. So tell us how terrifying story. it is. It's like a modern day horror story. Horror. The call is coming from inside um, the plane. So <laughs> I, I'm probably not very well qualified to answer that question, Vincent. Um, I don't think Wi-Fi generally is secure. Okay, period. Right, like you uh, shouldn't period. use Wi-Fi on like Starbucks right either. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're just as insecure on a Starbucks Wi-Fi. And so, Do you know of anything you can do? You should have a section of that on 
Go robot. Uh, no, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you, Vincent. Yeah. yeah. Until right. we're able to use our own hotspots, I guess. On the plane. So they're just the probably certain sites you want to avoid to let on those you public use Wi-Fi. Your phone on the yeah. plane. That? In that related, the idea of using your phone on the plane now, now they let you do is it before it was so dangerous and mm-hmm. now everyone's like clicking away and not yeah, watching them. Do that was it. all a bunch of BS. Crap. And I think the, the science showed that there was no risk like 10 years ago, but it yeah. took them that long to Yeah, I used to them. argue with, with people <laughs> and they would be like, oh no, it's dangerous. I'm like, no, it's not. And they're like... <laughs> Yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. You're lying to this entire flight. And just I'm getting visions of Alec Baldwin <laughs> yes. right now getting, hearing this story. But I was like, wrong. I, I was like, you're wrong. It's not unsafe. You're lying about it and you just choose not to let us use it. But he's not going to, this phone is going to take down a plane. We're screwed. Like, yeah. really? Uh, I- I had my Kindle e-reader, which, you know, once once the page is loaded, it's not even using electricity. And I was trying to explain the technology behind it to a flight attendant. No, she no. didn't care. These flight attendants can get testy. <laughs> testy. Go ahead. Right, the next yeah. question is from someone that we work with, Amina. Uh, she actually asked us this last week, and we said we have to use this in the show. I have a too embarrassed to ask question. Tell us about smart luggage. Is it a scam? Does it work? I need a new suitcase and I am confused. We got a similar question from someone named Adam that's at Unboxed Edit on Twitter. And he asked, best smart carry-on case right now. They're popping up everywhere. And frankly, reviews are mixed. Smart. Have you tried smart luggage? So I haven't tried it it yet. So so the idea of smart luggage... Luggage is the dumbest thing I can think of. What? (laughs) Well, so... Part of the idea with smart luggage is that it's got like an RFID tag and mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. So if your luggage is lost, you can look right. where Thank it you. is. So okay. I guess there's that benefit. A lot of them have built-in chargers. So yes. you can have like battery packs that you can eh. charge all your devices I'm, with. Which I'm sometimes impressed. that's useful if you'll be Not in really. a you know, you'll be in an airport. And that's that's about all they do. So it's mostly that's today. It? Power and, and you can find them. And they're very expensive. The Verge has written about mm-hmm. a few of them. One the Verge wrote about was called the Raiden. It started at two ninety five and it went up to three ninety five, mm-hmm. which granted yeah. some people would pay that for luggage anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it did have a battery pack in it, but also it wirelessly would connect to an app to tell you how much your oh, luggage weighs. Sake. Why do you need to know That's that? kind of cool. Why? You just I mean, put you don't it on really the scale it, at the airport. But before you leave to know exactly how much your luggage yeah, weighs if you're thinking of scale. carrying it on. Like, um, you can get like the little $5 scales. I know. That's true. The luggage shop. And then there was the one that Amina was looking at was called the Away Luggage. And that was, I think, that was less expensive. That cost $220. $25. But as Travis mentioned, the only real notable feature about that one is that it comes with a battery pack and some USB charging ports so you can charge mm-hmm. stuff. And mm-hmm. then there's another one that's gotten a lot of attention over the past couple of years called Blue Smart, um, which is even more expensive than the Raiden one, but that one has built in 3G and GPS. Why? So if you lost your luggage, then theoretically, if it, everything was working properly, you. you would be able to locate your luggage. But my question about the battery packs is if you're going to get luggage with a battery pack, you know, let's say it's like a I don't know t- what, how many milliamps or the 7,800 milliamp battery. Can't you just buy one of those? Can't you plug it so, into the wall? Yeah. I, like, to me, it feels like this is sort of like it's all high. It's gimmicky, mm-hmm. right? It's a solution seeking a problem. If, mm-hmm. if you need a battery pack, which everyone needs a battery pack, I don't know why you wouldn't just buy a standalone battery pack that you can actually take out of your luggage and bring it to other situations too, like all if right. you're going camping or going to the beach or something. Well, what smart thing? Because it seems inane. Like I, your luggage just doesn't have to be smart. But what does have to be smart when you're traveling? What do you think? Would you like to see smart, or do you think there's interesting in, things for going luggage on? specifically? Any, no, not luggage. Yeah, any I'm, travel. I'm gear. away from the luggage part. So I think you know a lot of what we're working on, and I think, and we're not the only ones working on it. Is one of the biggest problems that people have when they're traveling is this idea of 
they want to get out there. They want to have these very authentic experiences. They don't actually want to be glued to their phones, but they actually want to find the right places. So right. a lot of times, the worst thing is if you're like, you know, you're in France or something and you wander into a cafe and then you end up having just like a really crappy meal. And you're like, well, that was one of my 20 meals I'm mm -hmm. going to have while I'm here and I blew it. But the flip side is if you're going onto an app and you're having to read lots of reviews, like that can quickly get overwhelming and can start to take up a lot of time where you're sitting there staring at your phone in mm -hmm. the same way people used to stare at maps or guidebooks. So I think one of the things that we're working on, and I, I won't say we've perfected it, but we're getting better, is to try and get really smart about you know, what's magical about where we are in this moment in history is with these smartphones, you have these things that are connected. They know where you are. They know who you are. They can learn your tastes and can start to suggest things in real time before you even start typing and searching. And so what we're really focused on is how do we make it so that I can just open this app and as soon as I open this app, it's going to say, hey, you know, it's, it's 8 o'clock in the morning and here's some great places to go grab a cup of coffee nearby and start to be a little bit more smart and predictive about yeah. what you're looking for so you don't have to spend your vacation glued to your screen. No you know, reading reviews. Oh, it is great that you can use, like I was thinking how much we use maps and, you know, used to carry them around and yeah. get lost easily. Now it's just so simple. You can actually around. be a lot more spontaneous now because... Yeah. Or here's how to get to somewhere. Yeah. I don't ever mm -hmm. feel lost. You never feel lost in yeah. the way that you used to be worried of, like, I'm going to get lost if I go. And I think mm -hmm. part of what you see, you know, with the millennials going out and traveling is mm -hmm. they're much more comfortable being spontaneous because... They know they're not going to get lost. Mm -hmm. and Also, their parents are paying for everything. <laughs> and their parents are paying for everything. Yes. No, a lot of on the them flip work. side, though, do you ever feel like maybe we're less prepared for things than we should be because we're so reliant on our phones? Yeah, probably. There are a couple instances where I've been out of service areas recently mm. without maps, having planned for the maps, thinking to myself, I actually wish I had just stopped at a gas station and gotten one of those terrible little fold-out maps at this point. It's a fair point. I was actually up in the Russian River Valley. And yes, I was. that's where I was when yeah, it happened, Yeah, and I went too. into a total dead zone, mm -hmm. and I was like, I have no idea how to get to this, <laughs> this winery. Because we have no map. You're like, I just see grapes for uh, miles. Yeah, you just sort of assume it's going to work, and then it yeah. doesn't actually, work. Actually, sometimes so. Google Maps keeps working if you've already inputted it. Yeah, but if you didn't put it in and you're driving in the car. Yes, yeah, right. So, yeah. yeah, I did that recently. I've yeah. actually been in a I was in Japan a few years ago and we just decided to, we, I wasn't there for business. It was for pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I just decided just, let's just rely on Wi-Fi because Wi-Fi is so readily available mm -hmm. here. And there were a couple instances where we knew we'd be going into an area without Wi-Fi, but we would have no idea where we were going and the maps are not in English and everything. So we took a bunch of phone screen grabs in advance and then would like get into a taxi cab and just show our driver oh. the phone screen grab that we had taken hours ago. And it was such a, I mean, it was a good workaround, but it was also not, you know, maybe the most relaxing yeah. and stress-free map True. experience while The other thing that you got is currency, currency mm. stuff that you don't now have to use. Ultimately, you'll be able to use this to pay for everything, so you have to sit there and figure out. Yeah, well, the nice thing is starting to become way more places take credit cards, and eventually you'll just use your Apple Pay or whatever. Right. <clears throat> right. Um, so you don't have to futz around as much with currency, but you still need to think about currency as well because yeah. also a lot of credit cards have these crazy exchange rate fees that they mm -hmm. charge. Mm -hmm. um, I have a United you know Mileage that. Plus. Yeah, you and I, I do know it, and I just am too lazy to change my card. But they, <laughs> yeah. They'll charge right, like One 10%. last question, then we're going to get a test for you. We're going to give you a test. What would you like to have in travel? What's the thing you would, if you could invent anything, what would you like? Technically, I mean. Hyperloop. Uh, yeah, Hyperloop. I was, I was gonna say <laughs> this week. I was gonna say faster ways to get places. So yeah. I, I think that oh, you're such a man. Why? The, Why is the long. Thing? I, I love when things are slow. Lauren was nodding. <laughs> uh, 
No, I think you're I, a man for, too. For me, the long the <laughs> long true. airplane Take travel is the worst. Yeah. Is the worst part. Oh, yeah. Um and just sitting on those You're planes. in a tube of death hurtling through the sky. You don't think that's a miracle? You should think it's a miracle. It is it is <laughs> it is on. a miracle, but there there's Literally, lots of stuff they couldn't that recycled get across Kansas air. without dying like a hundred years two hundred years ago. Literally yeah. they're like across Kansas, then they're dead. Like some buffalo <laughs> eats them or something. <laughs> <laughs> Historically speaking, we're in a very good place. Okay. But you want you want to get on one of those Mach twenty six planes and things? Yeah, I'd I'd like to get on faster planes. And then the you other really thing, want a Star Trek situation? You want like a transporter or whatever? I want to be sort of taken apart at a molecular level and then reassemble. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, that's <laughs> not else. happening tomorrow. I'm sorry to tell you. Um, or three D printed? They'll you scan be, you. Like a three D printed version of you. They'll scan you and three D. They can already print organic matter. They're not going to print Travis again. So we were talking earlier about business travel. Not quite the same, quite the same way. What if that could repl- effectively replace you in business travel? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Scan and reassemble. I was thinking it would be great to have a clone today. I was thinking I've got all this stuff at home to do, and I was like, I'd like to clone myself today. Yeah. I think that would be a yes, wonderful so, thing. So, so the other thing, which is less an invention <laughs> thing, though, great. is the idea. One thing I feel like is happening now with technology, mm-hmm. and, and what we're doing at Googlebot in some ways mm-hmm. is a part of this, but it's harder and harder to find places that are undiscovered. True. And there's a comfort level of that somebody else has been there, but I think the idea of being, you know, a lot of people really want to be off the beaten track and sort of really experience well, these cultural things. Don't bring your damn phone with you then, right? Just go. Yeah, those places are shrinking. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. You go to a place and, and you're looking for, uh, I don't know, a hole-in-the-wall restaurant that you want to discover that no one's ever heard of before. But that's, I mean, that's yeah, I don't want to discover anything. I'm thrilled right? when I have 50 reviews Someone else has already been there and checked in and written a yeah. Yelp review yeah. and someone's like, yeah. yeah, I like it. You like it. <laughs> I want some more of it. <laughs> no, I, I think GoGoBot's going to pivot. And okay. GoGoBot's going to be a high-speed transportation Ugh, network next. And actually, GoGoBot is a great name for that. You, yeah, yeah. you already have I the name. Get to Los oh, yeah. We were thinking we, we have a ten-year plan. Do you want to get to Los Wait, Angeles what's, in fourteen what's minutes? What's the end? I yeah, don't. yes. I was, I'm back what? to New York. Back right. to my family back east. Right. So, what is your long-term, your ten-year plan for GoGoBot then? That's yeah, the three D printing. It's the three D three D printing. All right, we'll move along. All right, Travis. We wrap up this week's podcast. We're going to play a little game we call "Too Embarrassed to Answer," in which we quiz you on this week's tech news to see if you've kept up to speed on all things non-Gogobot. Are you ready for some short multiple choice quiz? Yes. All right, go ahead, Lauren, ask the first one. All right. On Monday, the creators of Siri introduced a next generation virtual assistant that was able to handle a dozen complex requests in a demo. What was this new virtual assistant called? Was it A, Bruno, because the founder said there weren't enough male assistants out there? B, Viv, which is we're supposed to refer to life, as in bringing software to life, or C, Rosie, after the Jetson family's robot maid. I'm going to guess Viv. You are correct. You are correct. <laughs> was that a total guess, or had you seen headlines? I, I wish that it was Bruno. Hmm. Yeah, Bruno would be pretty Bruno. great. But, uh, but I'm guessing Viv, yeah. All right. This story actually appeared on TheVerge.com last week, but it was so fun that I thought we'd throw it in here. You can now purchase an upgrade to your blank by making what is essentially an in-app purchase from your blank. Is it, you can now purchase an upgrade to your car battery by making what is essentially an in-app purchase from your Tesla... You can now purchase an upgraded TV by making what is essentially an in-app purchase through your Amazon Alexa. Or you can now purchase an Oculus Rift by making what is essentially an in-app purchase through your Facebook account. They're all kind of good. They're all pretty good. Uh, I'm going to go for the Tesla battery. 
Two out of two so far. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Like you can do that one. now. now <laughs> isn't that crazy to think about that the Why battery hardware just... is essentially locked in some way? Yeah. That there's more capabilities. The Tesla's just holding back until you pay That's thousands of dollars I, I, for an I, I drove down the street doing the autopilot. My co-founder, Ori, got the new Tesla, and we were doing the autopilot. And he was no hands, no pedals, no feet, just driving down El Camino in traffic and... It's still freaky. Wow, it's freaky. this is the future of cars. Yeah. Yes. In, a, in car purchases. And now for our final question. Go ahead, Lauren. Sure. This is a little inside baseball for you. Earlier this week, Recode launched a redesigned website, and one pretty significant element of Recode was replaced. Was it the infamous red chair that we use in conferences and use in a lot of our interviews? I know we've got a brown, brown chair for you, you because of our location. That. But normally a red chair. B, the .net and the URL, which means Recode is now finally Recode.com, or C, the slash that appeared in Recode's name between Re and Code. I already know the answer. <laughs> All right. Answer it then. One. The slash. And it's depressing. <laughs> Which I, when gone. I saw the slash was gone, I was like, mm-hmm. it's the end of an era. It's like, the end of a short era. It is very a short, short era. <laughs> but a meaningful one. A you know, short said, but meaningful era. I said the slash is gone, Silicon Valley, but not the burn. So get ready for more. <laughs> you, like that? you got three out of three. Yeah, three out of so three. So we're going to give you some recode swag. But okay, it's all gift. But also, you're coming to Code Conference in a few weeks. Yep. We're going to have an all star lineup of guests. And new. Until you get more swag there, too. And new swag. All new swag. Yes. I'm still. I'm I'll still get you a slash hat. The, I'll get you a slash yeah. hat with a hat. All right, I'll bring hat. it. Absolutely. Old school. Okay, this has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. And subscribing is great. You'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. Or you can also listen on Recode.net slash podcasts. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Verge also has some great podcasts for your listening pleasure. Walt Mossberg and Neilai Patel host Control, Walt, Delete, best podcast name ever. Neilai also usually hosts The Verge Cast with people like Dieter Bone and Dan Seifert. Chris Plant hosts What's Tech, and Liz Lopato and Emily Yoshida host Verge ESP. Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag AskRecode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask. Tune in then. 